keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. Today, we're roasting JBL. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a barn burner. We're also going to be talking SummerSlam, Dynamite. Big show, big show. How's everybody doing? Are you, you guys ready to uh, roast wrestling's boogeyman and not <laughs> boogeyman? I was going to say, we're, yeah, we're, we're talking about Dynamite and SummerSlam. Uh, but not the big show, big show. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want people to turn it off. We're talking about Paul White, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this guy sucks. This guy really sucks. <laughs> uh, Scott, are you a big fan of JBL? Uh, JBL was a big part of, you know, my early teen years. In okay, we're in of, bright side. Bright side of JBL. Yeah, it's bright side. So he I'll was, try, I'll try. I'll you know, he was the top heel. I guess for a minute, like after Triple H, uh, he was SmackDown's top heel at least. And I thought he did a good job with Eddie, you know? And then I, I, re- I remember he fought Batista at Somerset. Well, it's Brightside, so I can't, it, this is tough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was good. I, th- I think he was pretty good on the mic. I think he was good on the mic. And, 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 he, and you know what? F- pretty funny, you know? That comes with most bullies. They're pretty funny. Good job, Mike. Um, you know, I think that I'm serious. Uh, that was more than I thought was, it would be. He was a perfect heel. Uh, I'm trying to try to be positive here. He's a he, he, look him at at uh, WrestleMania as the guy that got thwarted by um, Cena was a great role for him. That was awesome. Like I think WrestleMania 21s, you know, especially now in hindsight, one of the most important. WrestleManias, and I think that JBL and Triple H both fulfill their roles as guys you're happy to see lose, so that young guys can take over. Um, <laughs> and uh, I liked him on commentary at first. I thought he was a good, refreshing um, heel voice. I, I love a good heel commentator. Um, you know, he was no Heenan or Ventura, but nobody is. But you know, he had some good um, rapport with uh, Michael Cole and stuff. So that is my positives. And now I'm going to kill myself. And, you know, you know, even like, okay, you know, uh, the going to the border uh, segments or whatever, <laughs> you go like, okay, that's wrong. But in terms of pro wrestling, it was hilarious. you don't get much better than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. Pretty like, great. It, it was yeah. so bad. It's like, that's the thing when wrestling is that over the top, like you can't be, you can't be like, oh, good heavens, like it's no. stupid already. I hardly <laughs> touch like the offensive things he did as a character in this roast. Yeah, you know? all of that worked for me a lot. Yeah, yeah, Robert, uh, you're 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 a low key JBL fan uh, of the wrestler, right? 
mainly because I, I, I like his uh, policies towards minorities, women, homosexuals, and Democrats. Um, <laughs> look, of all the people I worked with on SmackDown, he didn't kill his family. So that's part of the bright side. <laughs> um, no, but I'm, I will I will genuinely praise JBL here in a lot of ways. I think his his work with the APA was fantastic. Him and Farouk together were a great team. The, the stick with the door always got me. That's, and I've said this before. I am a huge fan of doors with no walls and people walking through it and wrestling. They, they did it with Bailey a little while ago. I don't know why I love it, but I love it. He is one of the reasons why John Cena and Batista got over as main eventers. He was selfless with both of them. And he had no problem once he got to the top being willing to show ass. Um, he was put into a lot of very goofy situations where he was drugged with a dart and had a match with an inflatable Godzilla. He was stripped down out of his suit a number of times. He's also probably going to go down as the one of the greatest reinventions of a character of all time. He went from this, this Bradshaw rough and tumble cowboy character to this JBL million dollar man ripoff character and he played it perfectly and he became a main eventer and a champion with it and it's been it's been discussed a number of times that you wouldn't have thought this guy that was justin hawk bradshaw was ever going to be wwe champion let alone a long-term wwe champion who was able to make the most with the roster that he was given and the situations he was given um he, if it wasn't for him we wouldn't have that great moment at ecw one night stand with uh, Paul Heyman's, the only reason you're champion is because Hunter won't work Tuesdays and his selling of it was was perfect. He was a great commentator at first because he was a fresh voice and was saying uh, the, key, things. the key words there are at first, folks. Well, well at that's first, but right uh, side. that's why we dance. But on. right. Eventually, everybody <laughs> look, Corey Graves was fantastic on commentary at first. Eventually, when you have Vince screaming in your ear enough, it grinds you down to where you just don't care. Yeah, and, Pat McAfee is great on commentary at first. And now he's faking COVID right, yeah. just so he doesn't have to keep doing SmackDown. Uh, <laughs> he needs and, <a> break. <laughs> right. And and JBL and Cole got along well because they're they're both real life heels. They're both real life assholes. And they play off that that really, really well. And when he was a commentator, he again was a selfless commentator. He was all about getting guys over. It was if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have the big match, John nickname he made things feel important when he was doing commentary and it almost kind of maybe somewhat sort of makes you forget the fact that he's a huge piece of shit all right i'll go through my notes uh i love the apa uh him and ron simmons were perfect compliment to the finesse of an edge or a jeff hardy very good old school heel not a cool heel uh never had merch even though who the fuck would buy it he was actually outspoken on the environment in 2007. He said global warming was real, which pretty crazy for uh, that guy to say that. That was a rib, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, matches, I mean, look, there weren't a lot of great matches with him as a singles. His match with Finley at WrestleMania 24, I thought was a really fun way to, you know, kickstart the show. And, and as far as like a garbage match is concerned, uh, he had a fun match with Eddie. I liked his entrance. And uh, accolades, WWE champion, intercontinental champion, United States champion, 18-time hardcore champion, European champion, three-time tag team champion, and uh, wrestling observer's best gimmick in 2004, and WWE Hall of Fame. He also uh, was a success out of wrestling 
in the financial markets. At least that's what he made us believe. I, I think that he wouldn't have been hired on, you know, CNBC or Fox. I mean, if if there wasn't some truth to that. So uh, did we get all to the did we get the bright side out of the way for this guy? Also, oh. and this this just bears saying because it is true. Um, when he moved to Bermuda, he started a rugby league for underprivileged kids to try to help get them off the streets and stop a lot of the violence. So, you know, I, I'm sure We're not you know any of our jokes. Robert. I know. I'm sure like Hitler started a youth soccer league somewhere in Germany. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Nazi Party. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they both had goals, there, you Mike. know. Nazi party got a lot of kids off the streets. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, that party gave us a future pope. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, nobody likes to talk about like the the uh, Vatican and swastika insignias around all the all the pope mobiles at, at one time. All right. Well, that's for Get another him, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> the last uh, thing I'll say, the best possible version of Ginger Mahal, because they tried this with Ginger and it didn't work. And I know that JBL might be listening to that and feeling it's a compliment. He could have got Shanky over. <laughs> let's, let's start this roast off. Scott, you want to start out, buddy? I will gladly start out. Uh, I will say I wrote a bunch of stuff that ended up getting deleted, but I, I think a lot of my best stuff is still saved. All right, here we go. Are we ready? John Bradshaw Layfield. He's shaped like baby Huey and walks like he has shit in his pants. <laughs> his hat is 10 gallons and his diaper holds 20. He's a cowboy in that you can milk him. He's shaped like he sings bare necessities. <laughs> Which is fitting because his career, Baloo. <laughs> of all the wrestling rednecks, he's Bill Engvall. <laughs> he's larry the reason i stopped watching cable guy he called himself a wrestling god he had a clothesline from hell and watching his matches felt like purgatory farouk and bradshaw were like danny glover and mel gibson's opinions <laughs> he's definitely said hey i'm not racist my tag partner's black and finally, he thought the blue meanie was Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scott Chabot, everybody. Michael Lawrence. All right. Today we're roasting JBL, the Benoit that got off free because he got people to kill themselves. <laughs> He's got the personality of a parent whose kid dies in the middle of Willy Wonka. Uh, maybe was what would happen if jeff jarrett and toby keith morphed into one person only kept the worst traits i mean only kept all of their traits <laughs> he's the guy so obnoxious that vince russo was like we gotta do something about his ego bro let's have real fights on this fake show <laughs> Bradshaw uh, was beaten in the semifinals of the brawl for all and hopefully that's not the last time he gets taken out by a gun Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't worry. If someone did shoot JBO, his last words would be about how it's your God-given right as an American to do that. <laughs> JBO said the only reason he lost to Bart Gunn is because it was a clash of styles. And crazy enough, the next time he got knocked out was because of a clash with styles. <laughs> Fuck Tom McGee and all the other hidden gems. Where's the footage of Joey Styles knocking out JBL? <laughs> 
there are some bipolar Canadian commentators that would pay top dollar for that. <laughs> Mamma Mia, what a punch! <laughs> he reinvented himself as a main eventer when he had the thought, what if Ted DiBiase hated Mexicans? <laughs> it's amazing that he calls himself a self-made man when he was only a main eventer due to the tireless work of immigrants. <laughs> in addition to being a wrestler, he also served as a prosecutor backstage in wrestling court. His biggest accomplishment was saying your honor to a guy named The Undertaker. <laughs> he teamed with Orlando Jordan, which was tough for him because he wasn't sure if he should pick on him for being gay or black. With Ron Simmons, it was so easy. <laughs> Just kidding. He would never make fun of Ron Simmons. <laughs> JBL got in big trouble for doing Nazi salutes in Germany. And his response was, that ain't the real me. I'm just playing a character that believes the Holocaust happened. <laughs> there is no way JBL is anti-Semitic. Some of his best friends are Peter Rosenberg. <laughs> JBL cut a promo two days after 9-11 about how the terrorists are cowards. This is the same guy who tells Rene Dupree to uh, tie his shoelaces so he could punch him in the dick. <laughs> Those terrorists hijacked a plane and crashed into a building with nothing but a box cutter. You sucker punched the blue meanie, you fucking coward. <laughs> JBL's like the Taliban. Even when you think he's gone, he always comes back. He's the kind of guy who says that he really cares about the troops, but always wants them overseas away from their families, killing a bunch of other people's families. <laughs> Thanks to him, wrestlers got to go to hostile areas away from their families on Christmas. Even when he's charitable, he's bullying. If you really <laughs> care about the troops, Johnny, send them care packages and hookers and set up hardcore Holly and Snitsky matches. <laughs> In conclusion, fuck JBL. And for the record, the name is Michael, not Maggle. There's no G in it, you slack-jawed yokel. Russell <laughs> <laughs> oh, JBL, I'll go up next. JBL with his shirt off. Looks like what would happen if Mike Awesome melted it. <laughs> A lot of people think JBL is a complete piece of shit, but to be fair, there's also plenty of people who don't know who JBL is. He's the first guy in history to get someone to start a suicide note with Mama Mia. <laughs> he's what would happen if the phrase you he's what would happen if the phrase you too good for this bar became a person. <laughs> he's proof of how far having a cool black friend can get you. The acolytes were first managed by Don Callis. But it wouldn't be the first time Don dealt with an order of protection. JBL's finisher was originally called the clothesline from Texas, and it's still the easiest way someone from Dallas can get an abortion. <laughs> then it became the clothesline from hell, which is weird because that's the only move of his that looked good. How about the rest hole from hell or the every time he's on commentary from hell? JBL on commentary was like listening to the bartender cheer on Jodie Foster's rapist and the accused. <laughs> it's like listening to a Shark Tank host bid on the fence Matthew Shepard died on. <laughs> He's from Sweetwater, which is also what he called it when he made Renee Dupree drink piss. <laughs> the only thing that could get JBL over was 9-11, an event he still blames Mike and Robert on. <laughs> He got fired from CNBC for doing a Nazi salute, but then Fox News hired him. In comedy, we call that the premise becoming the punchline. <laughs> it's unfair to compare JBL to Hitler. Hitler switched up his promos. 
JBL isn't a complete conservative. He knew global warming was real when he went to Antarctica and mistook the polar ice caps for his tits. <laughs> his hat was inspired by George W. Bush and his title run by the decision to invade Iraq. He lost to CM Punk at SummerSlam from a go to sleep, which is also what fans did in the arena. He's the first guy to have their back broken from someone else carrying them. <laughs> those who can do and those who can't bully the blue meaning into an eating disorder. He shot on the blue meaning. Jesus Christ, talk about kicking someone who was born down. Was he sick of putting magnets on Draz's wheelchair? He got his ass beat by Joey Styles. The last time Joey saw that big of a pussy was when he dug Spike Dudley out of Missy Hyatt. He's gotten beat up by Steve Blackman, Joey Styles, Tracy Smothers, Stevie Richards, and Bart Gunn. They should have formed a stable. Creative has nothing for you. For life! <laughs> and finally, it's kind of ironic that a JBL speaker is both a great way to hear music and what played in Chris Canyon's head when he killed himself. <laughs> That's it for me, folks. Robert Karpolis. Bradshaw created tribute to the troops so that our brave servicemen could realize that being shot at by the Taliban isn't as bad as watching a JBL match. <laughs> the APA were Pat Patterson's favorite tag team, which explains their always pounding ass T-shirt. <laughs> Bradshaw infamously goose-stepped during a show in Germany. The German government was furious as they did not want to tarnish the good name of Nazism by associating it with JBL. <laughs> Much like the Nazis, JBL had a notorious reputation around showers. Bradshaw <laughs> would sneak up on wrestlers in the shower and rub soap on their asses. According to Edge, if you protested, you were labeled a prima donna. And if you didn't, you were probably the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> As a member of the Acolytes, Bradshaw was a devil-worshipping mindless disciple which helped prepare him for his future role as a Fox News pundit. <laughs> JBL was part of the revived tag team, the Blackjacks. Blackjack is what he calls most of the local children in Bermuda. <laughs> in wrestler court, JBL was often the prosecutor. He felt he wasn't hated enough, so he chose to become an attorney. <laughs> All right, here's my Scott joke of the week. JBL led a stable with Orlando Jordan, Jillian Hall, and the Bashams called the Cabinet a group that belonged in the wood chipper. <laughs> After abandoning the Bradshaw character, he became JBL, a wrestler with a beer gut spouting right-wing rhetoric, now known as going full Chris Jericho. <laughs> JBL called himself a wrestling god, which explains why most wrestlers were atheists. <laughs> Finally, JBL had a reputation as a bully and a racist and was hated by most of the people who work with him. But on the plus side, he did rid the business of Mauro Ronaldo, so he isn't all that bad. Oh, man. Mauro gets bad on this one. Roast to JBL, everybody. Roast to JBL. For our show in hell this week, we uh, after watching it, I realized this isn't a show in hell. It's an Ain't That Swell. And that's the uh, Stevie Richards receipt. Whereas after Blue Me, if you guys don't know the story, I mean, it's I'm not going to explain it. You can go on every shoot interview site on YouTube and and, and check it out. But JBL uh, was pissed off at, at something the Blue Meanie said in, on the internet. And then, you know, shoot, beat, beat his ass for real. Brian listens to this podcast. He's a really good guy. Um, so obviously we're in team Brian for that, Blue Meanie. But um, uh, the, Steve, the Stevie Richards receipt, I guess a couple weeks later, 
you know, instead of firing JBL, which is probably what they should have done, uh, they had Stevie Richards uh, enacted revenge by hitting him over the head with a steel chair. And my note for this was he hit him pretty hard, but it wasn't enough. Like, I, I just kept, like, fantasizing about the uh, scene in Airplane where everybody lines up, you know, and maybe gets a chance to hit JBL in the head with a chair. What did you think about uh, this, Scott? I mean, it's devastating, man. Yeah. It's it's pretty brutal. Uh, Meanie does get... It is funny because when people talk about it, they, re, you know, they go, oh, Meanie got to beat JBL. That's the whole thing but it's not the win it is the chair shot that's the moment it, it that is the receipt and i mean it busted him open i remember so this happened on my birthday it was a smackdown it was july 7th 2005 Wait, was this was, your wish yeah <laughs> but i remember you know after one night stand the news getting out immediately on the internet and people flipping out and I remember I recorded uh, One Night Stand, so going back to it and watching it and trying to look for JBL attacking Meanie, it was all very insane to me. Uh, obviously, Meanie is right. JBL was wrong. And the receipt is not worth the attack, but it is, it's a lot of fun to watch, yeah. You could watch the whole match, or you could just watch the 13-second the clip of the chair shot. Yeah, I'm going to get to Robert at the end because I'd love to hear the backstage story about this. But, Mike, what did you think watching this? You know, with everything that we've learned about um, concussions and brain trauma in the last 15 years, I'm really glad this happened now. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the, the big issue is. Look, if they had if they had a fight, if, if, if Meanie was talking shit, whatever. You know, when you're in the ring, you're supposed to trust each other and not hurt each other. And the fact that he took a staged fight as a real opportunity to attack somebody is, yeah, bullshit. I mean, it's literally a it's a criminal assault. Like he fucking assaulted a blue meanie in front of a bunch of people, and it's it's gross. Um, one thing I don't understand is why Meanie wasn't the one who gave the receipt. Maybe he didn't want to. I've never asked him about it. But, um, I mean, it's, it is interesting because yeah, Meanie, because then Meanie, I watched the whole match. Meanie then does like a moonsault, and JBL kicks out of it. And then JBL loses because of Batista interference. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they, Vince is still booking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, was this your idea? What's that? Was was this Robert's idea, Robert? No, I still wanted Bradshaw to go over clean. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the last thing I'll say about it is that I feel like this is just like all of this is just how fucking weird wrestling is, right? Like, you know, he took liberties, and so then they're like, you know what? You know what'll make it fair? You just take a fucking chair shot to the head. Like, what a weird thing we love, guys. <laughs> yeah, Robert. So I have a couple questions. Number one. Uh, you were there, I believe, during this. I was at uh, WWE at this time. I, I wasn't. Yeah. I hadn't transitioned onto creative yet, but I was there. And you were and there. So, yeah. what, what what did you hear about the reaction to the initial assault of Blumini? What did you hear about the receipt? And what was it like working with JBL? So the the initial whatever transpired, Bradshaw did try to play off after as this was all part of it to make things look good, and he supposedly went onto the talent bus to go say, "Hey, great show, guys! Thank you so much." And they were kind of like, fuck you, what you did to Meanie. And, you know, he, he 
he tries to have it both ways. He likes to be able to say, you know, this is entertainment. So any of the stuff that he does when he's taking liberties is really just, this is me in character. And yeah, I was just being a bad guy going a little too far, but you got to be tough because that's what this industry is. Uh, and then because it got out there and there's a little bit of buzz, this was really us starting to try to see what the internet was interested in and play to them a little bit without actually shifting the entirety of the show, which is why you weren't going to have Meanie beat JBL clean. You were still going to advance your, your Batista story. And it was, let's give them this moment because SmackDown is taped. So we knew, hey, the spoilers are going to come out that this moment happens. So people are now more inclined to tune into a, a bland SmackDown in the middle of the summer when it's the doldrums because you want to see this moment. I mean, how often are you really excited for a Blue Meanie JBL match involving Stevie Richards? I mean, that, that would be like, uh, you know, 90% of Dynamite, which we'll get to. But as far as working with JBL... I was a big Stevie Richards mark, so that's also my opinion and, on AEW. I, and I love Stevie Richards. I, I, <laughs> I, I like Stevie Mark's Richards. Video. I just thought he never... You know, he always got sad. I, I liked Right to Censor, actually. Dude, right to Censor was so over. Right, See, right to Censor is a great gimmick. I mean, People that, you know... They, them. They, were they gave him... They just gave him some gimmicks, though, that were like, like in TNA, they gave him the exhibit, the gimmick of like Abyss's psychiatrist and that like flopped. But anyway, whatever. We're not going to talk. And I did. And I, I tried pitching something for Stevie where he was going to try to uh, be one of the Mexicals because he was just trying so hard to find something. And it was going to ultimately lead to like, you know, what the hell are you doing? You need to be true to who you are and realize you're a talented wrestler. Uh, <laughs> but then they were like, you're pitching something for Stevie Richards, maybe not the hill to die on. Um, but no, JBL was, there was a big reputation. I was legitimately worried about working with JBL or leaving my bag unattended around him or any of that. Um, he, he came at me hard the first time I met him, which was, uh, when I introduced myself, he's like, Oh, just what we need another, uh, liberal Jew. And, uh, which is actually how you got the co-host position here. Well, it was what my shirt said when I, when I yeah, met him, yeah. but, uh, I don't know why you would say that you're not that liberal. That's fair. Um, but no, but you know what? But it's I, I was prepared. I came back with it. I'm like, dude, I went to college in the South. You got to do a little better than that. And then it was OK. And there was another writer who vouched for me, Alex Greenfield, who was friends with JBL, even though he was the official liberal Jew of the crew who was like far left of me. And they would go back and forth at it politically. And he kind of respected you if you punch back in the same way most bullies do. And at the same time, if he felt that a writer liked him and he was going to they were going to make him look good, he was going to kind of back off a little bit. But he was an absolute prick to uh, Justin Roberts, who's a friend of mine, which is it's in Justin's book. He outlines what he did, especially stealing his passport and not giving it back to the point where Justin had to go to the London Bureau office to get paperwork so he could get back home to the States. And it's that kind of shit where he, he would think something is funny and take it really, really That's far. what Brett did to George C. Animal Steel for marking him tardy. <laughs> yeah, but that, no, that was different. That was uh, that was sophisticated. It was thought through. And, uh, you know, listen, it, listen, it, the way that, you know, JBL threw the passport away, he only got like seven feet. But when I threw those pills, it was like a, a football field. <laughs> no, but JBL is the kind of guy who takes a, a rib to a degree where it's no longer funny. It's now just you're being a complete asshole. And I don't know if that's just growing up the way he did in Texas and playing football and you just got to be tough or it's just he's a total prick. It's trying to justify why somebody is 
a bully and without like a but Nelson Muntz Every time there's been a legit fight with him backstage, yes. he's gotten his ass handed to him, right? And that's always what happens. And that's why he took the, the chair shot from Stevie. It was kind of a Mia Culpa. Yeah, what did he like, do after that? Did he try to like- No, he was, it was, that was, that was, it was a pre-planned thing. It was a, you're going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to take this and we're going to, everything's going to be buried because in the barbaric weird world of wrestling for a very long time, this is what it is. This is what, when Undertaker talked about how the locker room now is too soft and they're playing video games, it's because back then this is the kind of shit they would do, which is someone's going to legitimately hit someone. They're going to get a receipt and it's going to be okay. This is the same era of Bob Holly beating up Rene Dupree for the incident who, who with his rental would car. win in a shoot fight, Stevie Richards or JBL? Stevie Richards. Uh, yeah. Stevie's physically fit and, and, and really knows what he's doing. JBL is, he is a melted candle. Um, he's, yeah. he's 80% gimmick. Um, and, and, and he, I, I always like, look at his thighs. He has like a, he's got like just the biggest thighs in all of wrestling. I think well, he's I think built like Foghorn Leghorn. Like yeah. He's one of the lead DDP like instructors. Right. I mean, I've seen him recently. That dude's fucking jacked. I would not fuck with him. Yeah, I saw him a couple years ago. He's in tremendous shape. I'm not yeah. messing with Stevie JBL? Richards. Oh, Stevie Richards. Okay. No, no, yeah, JBL's yeah. in a shape, but it's grimaced. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you, did you ever get to see wrestlers court or writers like? No, no, were... we were we weren't allowed to ever okay. be anywhere near that. That was entirely them policing themselves. And that was kind of blown up a little bit. Like it was more they needed that they're on the road they just kind of need to do something to entertain themselves and find an excuse to make somebody pay for booze it wasn't like this really serious thing where we were going to find out about it and oh we, we have to postpone pre-tapes because they're doing wrestlers we're like vince isn't going to put up with that shit like they'll find a way to do it and, and have it be fun or i mean not fun for the guy who's going through it but for for the most part it never interfered with anything that was going on and if nothing else built a little bit of camaraderie but like in this in this era, you know, this was like 2005. Like one of the most uncomfortable things is like the the pewter Royal Rumble, right? Where it's like four or five guys all beating the shit out of him. Was would that have been like a, a wrestler's court verdict? No, that's just they're gonna haze somebody and and bring him in in the same way. It's like all right, we got a new guy. We're gonna put him in there with Bob Holly and see if he can take it. And it was it was. I feel like I was there at the tail end of the really barbaric world of the locker room where, you know, this is like what Miz was enduring when he first started there. We brought him in for some like initial just pre-tapes with, uh, with him and Matt Capitelli, where they were going to be a team playing on this reality show stuff. And it was like, it was really uncomfortable. The, the locker room was not an ideal space. Like a guy like Paul London or Brian Kendrick got shit on because they, not literally, but they got shit on because they were in a good mood and being goofy. And you would get heat if you were talking to Brian Kendrick. Oh, that guy is like goofy and wacky. Don't don't associate with him. Oof, yikes. It's uh, it, it, it's just kind of bizarre, too, because like they say, oh, the the uh, the, the roster now, it's just oh, it's all full of, of weak pussies. And you're like, pretty sure Matt Riddle could beat up anybody, you know, and including anybody in that locker room. You know, with maybe I the exception think, of like Brock and Angle, like it's it's not even close. Yeah, but it's also the you know, like in the the PSA, I learned from watching you. It's like these guys now saw what happened to the guys before, and it was ugly and brutal and very 
sad. And I mean, especially like the amount of second generation wrestlers now whose dads are dead. <laughs> like if you're yeah. if you're Cody and you know, like Dusty should have lived a lot longer. I mean, I, and he was I don't know, fat, but like but Look a lot of Brian them, Pillman. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like he, he told me most of the stuff he knows about his dad is just anecdotal stories people have told him. Yeah. And that's how he that's the image he has of his dad. It's not like there's memories that he has. It's just I know who Brian Pillman, the wrestler is, and I know the stories my mom told me. And that's how it, it or, or the same thing with uh, Curtis Axel. But let, right. let's be honest, Robert, when uh, if you're a wrestler and your dad hangs out with you every day, you just become Griff Garrison. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, those are two separate issues, right? I mean, I mean, like, you know. Yeah, and also, let's remember, like, you know, you, you, your dad doesn't have to be a wrestler to be toxic and, and dead now, you know? Right. And also, it's like the drug <laughs> issue is a way different issue. I than, agree, Scott. You're right, Scott. The, no, but the, right, the you drug, I, heard your cry, I heard your cry for help. The, dr the drug issue is a completely different issue than the bullying issue. I mean, you know, there's some overlap here, but it's not like. Yeah, you I would know. hope JBL is drunk some of this, right? I mean, a it's just like, I mean, like the reason that a lot of people were dying of drunk. the reason that a lot of people were dying of overdoses of painkillers was that was the time where painkillers were killing everybody in, in the US. It wasn't just wrestlers, you know, it was like, you know, the oxycodone industry and shit. And do you think that a part of why the, the wrestlers court culture dissolved and stuff was, you know, the internet and like I remember hearing about the Rene Dupree stuff, like and, and the Joey Styles fight and all of that. Like there was probably a time where all of that stuff was kept backstage, but the more it leaked out, the probably the more it, it, it leaks out. And it's always stupid. Like, I mean, one of the cautionary tales we were told was the Edge and Christian one that yeah. they were associating too much with Brian and it got heat on them. And therefore it was like, we needed to be careful when we're talking with wrestlers that you can't be buddy buddy with them. You, you can't, you know, form these bonds, even though, when you do have those sorts of relationships, you're much better at being able to create content for them because they trust you. And in Brian's case, it has now turned him into hopefully, you know, Mike's future boss. But it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where you, you, you hear these things dribs and drabs and they just make up the rules as they go along. And it's a lot like college where a tradition only goes back four years because the oldest person that was there was, you know, theoretically a freshman and now they're a senior. So all the, all the unwritten rules of wrestling that we were told in 2005 and six, probably now in 2021 sound crazy and antiquated and ridiculous. Yeah, I remember reading that it was Edge, Edge and Christian bought him a, a a flash action figure and all the other wrestlers were mad. Yeah. <laughs> that rules. But it also shows how it also shows how ignorant and stupid, like all due respect, how ignorant and stupid wrestlers are that they think that if like you're nice to one of the writers, we're gonna change your career and not Vince. Like it's none of us are gonna suddenly pull Vince aside and be like, hey, look, look, look. This Steve Austin guy is fine and all, but but Christian got me an action figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, he's the guy we strapped the rocket to. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Because yeah, he didn't realize that that what happened, like Austin pushed himself because he's like, hey Russo, here's a Tamagotchi. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, the thing shits and dies. I love it. <laughs> hey, well, I guess this is a good time to end to tell you this Monday, the roast of Vince Russo will be dropping. We're also going to be reviewing 
Uh, the That'll um, be on the Patreon, by the way. If you're on the Patreon, Patreon right? But pa- yeah, so if you become a Patreon member, that's a five dollar tier. You get you get the roast of Vince Russo. You get uh, us reviewing the Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. Uh, we I we couldn't find the reverse battle royal online. I ended up watching what I didn't fucking realize was the second reverse battle royal and taking a shitload of notes on it. And uh, so I have, I have fucking notes for a show that we're never going to cover. Um, but, uh, and yes, it was a very bad match. Just in, in case you guys are, are we'll maybe not bury the lead here. It was fucking terrible. Uh, but we will be uh, talking about the roast of Vince Russo um, next week. Let um, me we also talk about just some shows that are coming up. The next next week, next Thursday, we're doing the roast of Lawrence Taylor with special guest Jared Freed, who's a huge New York Giants fan like myself. Then we're going to be doing the roast of the Bella Twins, roast to AJ Styles, the roast of the Honky Tonk Man, then the roast of Gangrel, who's been in the news lately, a little fanging and banging for everybody. The roast to Darby Allen, Abdullah the Butcher, Alexa Bliss, and Kane. If you're a member of our $10 tier, something to sports entertainment with, uh, Mike Lawrence was on this past week talking with us about the last NXT TakeOver, which was fantastic. NXT TakeOver 36, uh, which that amazing Walter Dragunov match. And we also cover Monday Night Raw this week. Um, our Something to Sports Entertainment with next week will be SmackDown. Um, and, oh, in addition to, I mean, I, do you guys want to talk Rampage and SmackDown for the rest of Vince Russo, too? Just decide which is better. Rampage was taped and not much happened. Oh, okay. All right. So we'll just do the roast for Vince Russo. But SmackDown should cr- be SmackDown should be really big though, no? Face yeah. it. All right. Well, let's do what we'll do. All right. For the roast of Vince Russo, we'll also do what was a better show, SmackDown or Rampage. All right, or folks. AEW Dark no, Elevation I mean, for seven hours. Yeah. God, um, as the as the uh token AEW sympathist, not much happened on Rampage, right? <laughs> no, I mean it, it, I think it looks like a fun show, but it looks like it a looks fun like, show. It looks like yeah. a really good match. I, mean, I heard that I heard the tag match is insane. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for that. I heard the Nakazawa Omega match is really funny and progresses the story. And I heard the women's match was pretty good. And that's all that happens, right? And maybe they'll film some stuff. Dude, Ty Conti lays it. it in, dude. She lays it in. Yeah. Also, how can they do a women's match if the show airs after 930? <laughs> it's like uh, it's like feeding uh, a mogwai after midnight. Uh, all right. Is that so the guy facing Moxley. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about that. But our, so Patreon, we got the Rooster Vince Russo, September 6th. We're off September 13th. We're doing the bright sides. We didn't get to Bret Hart, Goldberg, the Hardy Boys, Million Dollar Man, Big Show, Shane McMahon and Baron Corbin, uh, September 20th, WrestleMania 2, September 27th. We're going to be reviewing Extreme Rules, October 4th, The Roast of Alberto Del Rio, October 11th, Halloween Havoc, 1993, and Wrestling's Darkest Crimes. It's going to be a double episode. October 18th, we're off. Uh, October 25th will probably be the WWE pay-per-view, so whatever one we're covering there. And November 1st, The Roast of Nick Gage. we got a lot of fun stuff coming up for the autumn as summer closes. And what better way to wrap up the end of wrestling summer then to review what what do they say that's the 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 biggest party oh, of the summer, summer. yeah <laughs> which is such a bizarre uh, moniker summer slam you're an irish white woman summer slam <laughs> this show um i don't think any of us were a huge fan of this show for a lot of reasons but a lot happened so we have a lot to talk about um 
The opening match uh, was Randy Orton and Riddle versus AJ Styles and almost, you know, I mean, the right people won, but I, I thought the match was kind of underwhelming. I was expecting a lot more. I, I thought the ending was super abrupt. We all talked about um, possibly this awesome spot of AJ Styles doing the phenomenal forearm off of almost and then getting RKO'd. None of that ever happened. It was just like an RKO with a distraction from Matt Riddle. But like the commentators had to do more of the work explaining the story than like us actually watching the story. Like when it happened, I was like, wait, this is it's over. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't this impressed by this match. Scott, what did you think? Yeah, I was more into I didn't watch the pre-show or anything like that. So this was the first time I saw how big the crowd was and how everything was set up. And I was more into that and excited about that and seeing these wrestlers that I like be in front of those people. Uh, I don't remember anything that happened in the match other than, oh, this looks visually nice. And then, yeah, I, I mean, they're all talented. Yeah. All four guys. Oh, are yeah, yeah. Talented. I like them all. Yeah. Uh, Pre show, we had Big E versus Baron Corbin, which should have been on the main show. I don't know why. Yeah. That, that's a show I want. That's a match I want to see. And Bar- Baron's been a lot of fun lately, and Biggie's great. Uh, Robert and Mike, what did you guys think about this opening match? So, quick on the Baron thing, they made a point on commentary of because they're trying to do the downward spiral of Baron Corbin that right. if he made it on the main show, you can't say that he's down on his luck, but it's, he can only make it on the pre show. Therefore, it's his, his life still sucks, which that's speaks fun. volumes about like Biggie. Yeah, that's um, fine. That, that's the, fun, I guess. The, I thought the tag match was it was fine. It was the right result. This got a lot of time on Raw building up to this big reunion of RK Bro. And when the match ended, Dan, your point, this was very abrupt. This felt like a Raw match and not a Survivor Series match. And then the next night on Raw, they really emphasized that by just continuing the feud. Um, I do kind of hate the AJ almost tag team just because AJ by default has to be the weak one and the guy who gets beat up all the time and the guy that gets pinned. And I'm worried it's going to do some damage to him going forward, given Vince's mindset. Mike. I want uh, Nikki cross to start teaming with him and call him almost the superhero. With almost <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Kick him out of the zoom. <laughs> that joke balloon. <laughs> Uh, uh, the crow master returns Uh, what a callback (laughs) sorry for doing comedy on a comedy podcast oh get off your high don't do the sorry for the comedy all right we have four hours and 25 minutes don't do what my wife does when i'm winning an argument oh i'm sorry i care too much commentary on a fucking almost <laughs> this is a serious show it's the party of the summer <laughs> up, we have uh we have uh do you have any of my people got covid just to see this match mike <laughs> <laughs> With next, up, did. We, one. <laughs> next, next up we have he got covid from boog <laughs> next up we have eva marie versus alexa bliss for eva marie actually uh what this match these <laughs> my what? note for this was just these finishes stank no uh, alexa bliss won alexa bliss no i'm sorry i, I wrestled the match i should say oh yeah Eva marie actually wrestled the match didn't win the match uh I, I again another fucking terrible finish um and then it sets up the breakup of evie marie and pootie pie or Dewdrop <laughs> or whatever the fuck her name is tomorrow night a talented wrestler 
terrible name. Um, what did you think about this, Mike? Oh man, well, since I, I can't do uh, puns yes, you can a do a comedy joke, <laughs> you just can't do a lame fucking Nikki Ash almost pun. We're not saying you can't do jokes. You know, I just think that uh, they really did a good job of elevating Dewdrop. <laughs> yeah, you could hurt your back doing that. <laughs> <laughs> all right Robert yeah, what say? Yeah. this ma- this match sucked worse because they wrestled a straight up match this storyline featured a winking doll and all we got was a technical wrestling match with Eva fucking Marie with a fucking DDT finish it was that's so the part weird. that bought like I, I was fine with this match being on the car because I'm like all right they're gonna do something really stupid and at least it'll be quick and wacky and Scott can have something to laugh at and instead we got a straight up technical wrestling match uh, and the crowd hated it and it damaged Alexa Bliss, I think. What's what's worse, the name Dewdrop or Karrion Cross's new mask? What is more damaging? Karrion Cross's new mask wins. <laughs> oh, def- somebody definitely took a Dewdrop in that mask before he put it on. <laughs> uh, Scott, what do you think of this match? Yeah, man, no bueno. Didn't care for it. That's really it. I do think Dewdrop will be fun to watch. Just not yet. Oh, she was great in those Pitch Perfect movies. <laughs> I will not stand for you speaking ill of Pitch Mary, Perfect, Mike. Mario Lopez backstage. I just wrote boo. <laughs> That's a real uh, thing you just da- said. <laughs> D- D- Damien Priest for Seamus. My first note for this was live forever, man. Talk about a tempting fate wrestling gimmick. If ever I did hear one, you don't want that to be your fucking gimmick name. Um, I thought this was a really good match, though. They worked really hard. It was it was these guys have a lot of chemistry together. Um, You know, I haven't been I wasn't I haven't been a huge fan of like Damian Priest's promos, but no, in the match, I thought he I, I hate the fucking hand clappy thing. I don't know what the fuck that is, but. Uh, you know, as, as far as a match, you know, the, I thought it was pretty good. Scott? But, you know, the thing with all three of these, like these these raw matches, they feel like raw matches. <laughs> so I don't give a fuck, no matter how good they are. I barely give a shit, unfortunately. And, and that's what happened here. I think Damian Priest worked his ass off. Uh, Sheamus always delivers. But there I am looking at my phone, taking a piss. Looking in the fridge, looking at my phone, scratching my ass. The match is over. Like that's you know, this is what happens. Unfortunately. I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, they did a really good job of elevating a new Latin superstar, although Mario Lopez wasn't on the show enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, here's what I love, because we'll just I'll just say it now, the because I know uh, Tiffany Haddish comes later. You really got the two types of celebrity involvement in WWE. Someone who intimately knows the product, but from 30 years ago, he's wearing like a heart foundation shirt. And, and no one is excited to see. Yeah. And then you have and then you have Tiffany, who, you know, I, I love Tiffany's really funny stand up. It's a legit, a legit superstar. Legit superstar. Uh she could give two shit. <laughs> Wait, what did she call it? She called the world champion. What did she national call it? National title, championship. It's always been the national championship. You just weren't paying attention. So Tiffany good. Haddish is a hardcore fan. She was going insidery. So good. She ready to cash that paycheck. 
Yes, uh, the, the power of Peacock here of forcing their stars onto SummerSlam. This match was fine. Scott hit the nail on the head. This felt like a raw match. Wait, 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 Robert, forcing their stars? You mean lending their fucking stars? Like, <laughs> Mario Lopez and Tiffany Haddish are bigger than WWE, dude. No, but Mario Lopez... Mario is Lopez isn't used... bigger than WWE. Come on! <laughs> Dan, this is Slater we're talking about. This is star of Pacific Blue, but not in the beginning of the series. He joined later. My cops, it should have worked! <laughs> Mysterios and Usos, this was a total SmackDown retread. I feel like I've seen this match a million times. Because you have. Yes. It set up a weird musical interlude with Nakamura and uh, and ba- Rick Boogs. Boggs or whatever the fuck is Boogs. Sorry. Ooh, ooh, this was terrible. Because it, it, it wasn't anything. Like, it wasn't like you thought, oh, maybe not Nakamura is going to have a match or something. It was literally... Like if you're, that's the thing when not I think gonna happen. Show, like if I'm in the audience for it, like if I paid money and I just got shit like this, that was absolutely nothing. Because this was, this was Nick Khan again, testing the world of just, well, they just like the entrances. So let's just give them the entrances and then they have nothing else to complain about. The best thing about Nakamura in 2021 is he does his entrance. Pat McAfee dances. Rick Boogs plays the guitar and then he just walks away like this is Robert Roode's dream. This is the chance for him to get a push going forward. He could main event WrestleMania with just his entrance and then leave. <laughs> Roode and Boogs, book it. <laughs> All right. Well, we get to the biggest hot topic element of this review. Alexa Bia- Bliss? <laughs> Bia- Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks. Uh, by, the, by now, this has been dissected a million times by the internet. But uh, Sasha Banks could not make the show. I'm not sure if it was because of COVID. I'm not sure if it was because of injury. I have no idea why the fuck she couldn't be there. They have kind of kept everything in the dark about it. Um, instead of now, this for me, I had like a million emotions during this because it was like in the beginning, I was like, oh, my God, they really are fucking pulling Sasha and they're going to have Carmella. This has got to be a swerve, right? To set up Becky. Lo and behold, we get a swerve. Becky comes out. Now, what I think is going to happen is we're going to get Zelina Vega and Carmella versus Becky and Bianca. We don't get that. We get Becky taking out Carmella and saying, what if the man and the EST go against one another right here? Setting up what we think is going to be, you know, the, the, the women's equivalent of Cena versus Roman. Not so fast. <laughs> Dan, Dan, how are you feeling at this time? I was feeling elevated. All this exciting news. Hopeful. I was feeling, uh, oh my God, they did it. They made me happy. I'm happy. Um, and uh, and I, and then uh, Becky beats Bianca immediately uh, after Bianca tries to shake her hand. Uh, gets a one, two, three, celebrates. People cheer, but then also it's not a real cheer because they're like, well, we like Bianca. Bianca looks like she's legitimately going to cry. Then there's a debate, you know, hey, was this was this uh, just a new ta- like Vince bearing new talent? Was there an element of, of racism here um, because they, you know, had highlighted the Bianca and Sasa package and the history making of two black women headlining a WrestleMania event? But we find out the answer is almost dumber, which is later in the week, they're fucking turning Becky heel. The biggest baby face they have, they're turning heel 
for no reason at, at all, except for, I guess, Seth's a heel on I don't fucking get it. I don't, I still, am, I, I'm getting my, my blood pressure is fucking rising. All right. right. Take, take right, Rob, a deep Robert, Robert, you are. The, <laughs> Dan Robert, has been the, snapping this week. Robert, you're the Scott Chaplin of WWE. Oh Defender. yeah. Oh, I'm going to Scott Chaplin the fuck out of this segment right now, folks. Here's <laughs> the deal. This was the right call and the right decision based no, on you're what, fucking, no. based on what they were facing. And I will tell you why within their oh, minds, Jesus, why Robert. they thought this was right. They are they were this segment. They they were continuing to push this Sasha and and Bianca match, probably on the outside chance that whatever was going on with Sasha got cleared up and she'd be able to wrestle. When they found that it couldn't happen, Vince's philosophy is always if you're going to replace somebody, you replace it with a bigger name, and that was Becky Lynch. Yeah, but, no, but nobody's so, out, but nobody's no, no, nobody's no, debating no, that. Can't, I'm gonna let do let Ross Perot right now. Can I cannot finish? Cannot finish. Uh, no, the, the thing is. You are not going to give away Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair unadvertised as an actual match. You make you zero do dollars. When, you, when you can't give them Sasha. Yeah, but they they know right, but they don't. There's they have they you make zero dollars by doing this right now. So what they did was they gave you Becky. You got the big exciting pop. They got the internet all buzzing and excited. And she probably said, "Hey, I was pregnant. I'm home. I have my kid." I don't need to come back for, oh, if I do come back, I want to come back as a heel, which is what she has said. She enjoys playing a heel. This is like Steve Austin after WrestleMania 17 bad in terms of decisions, but she's a huge star for you. You have to give the, you have to give the, the, the wrestler kind of what they want to lure her back because she can just say, I'm home with my baby and we need her to abandon her child. Therefore, you need to get her to there to do what she needs to do. Her screwing Bianca over quickly in this manner, which was she cheap shots her, she pins her quickly. Everybody's like, what the fuck? There's now a reason for you to tune into SmackDown to want to see what the hell is going to happen. Is this what the audience genuinely wants? No. Is someone like Dan who's watching this legitimately upset by it? Yes, but you had a motion from a segment that has now directed you forward where they're going to pivot this to Bianca's going to be a bigger baby face going forward. You're going to want to see Becky get her ass kicked in theory. Will this fall on its face? Probably. They were doing the best with what they had at this point in time. That's why they did it. And it upsets people, not to the point where they're going to say, fuck this, I'm never watching again. It's they're going to still tune in and see what happens on SmackDown. Scott and Mike, tell Robert why he's wrong. Well, yeah, um, listen, was, he's no. Okay, let Mike talk then. <laughs> well, you go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. I don't think he's necessarily wrong aside from man he really was the scott sapple of wwe (laughs) well yeah he's being right so the the two the one is is becky saying let's burn down that basically saying they're gonna have a great match that gets you hyped for a match i think that's kind of a bummer but okay maybe she's a heel that's why the main thing is the her finishers fucking stink like Within the context of a long match, they're awesome, but she's not like a hard-hitting person. So when she does two moves, the two moves aren't even impactful. Like, they just look like transitional moves. So when Bianca gets pinned, you're not even like, oh, whoa, she got crushed. Like, Goldberg speared her. You just go, well, what the fuck just happened? That looks stupid. Like, you go, is Becky even allowed to wrestle? Is that why this happened so poorly? Because she, she, she wasn't cleared yet? Like, I don't even... It looked, it visually looked like shit. 
that was the other thought I had that Becky may not have been fully cleared to do anything other than this smoke yeah. and mirrors bullshit. It visually but, looked like ass. Otherwise, I don't give it. I don't give a shit. It's in a four care. and a half hour show. It happened for thirty seconds, then they moved on to more important things with water. Okay, so I'm gonna. Uh, here's the thing. It ruined the it, night for everybody on the internet. Yeah, it, and and I think for some people in the arena, I think it was a fucking. For some people on the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that uh, this was the problem. That yeah, the match itself was thirty seconds, but the whole thing was like when you just watch it, uh, it was like fifteen to twenty minutes. Like, okay, so you don't have Sasha. You still do this video package saying she's going to be there. You tell people that she's going to be there the night before on SmackDown, even though you were never going to deliver her, which I, I think is bullshit. And then, so, because you could see, like, the emotions in the crowd, right? Okay, so Bianca comes out first, and it's weird that a champ comes out first, but okay. Then they announce that, you know, it's like that Simpson thing, right, with the frozen yogurt. Sasha's not here. That's bad. <laughs> Carmella's here. That's also bad. <laughs> Becky's here. That's good. But Becky's gonna pin you. That's bad. Can I go now? Like the way that they fucking ended up doing this, where you could have just had an angle, but to have I, I think this the shat on people's goodwill, this shat on people's excitement. There is a demographic in the audience and of the wrestling population that loves women's wrestling, loves Bianca, loves Sasha. You did not give them, A, the match you advertised. You didn't give them a match. I think this was really fucking shitty. Um, and if I, and I think that Bianca and Sasha was one of those matches that people paid to see here. And if they're going to, as you said, give them something better, then give it to them. But you didn't. And then what you ended up saying was, oh, that person that you did pay to see, well, she fucking sucks and she's a loser. This was... Yeah. He's zero out of ten. But their, their person who was pitching this, let, let, let's call him, I don't know, Bruce P or B <laughs> Pritchard, whatever it may be, is saying like, no, Vince, you're giving them Becky Lynch coming back. They're going to go wild and it's going to be bigger than that CM Punk return. And that's pretty much it. And we also think in terms of people bought tickets to the show to see this match when SummerSlam sold a shitload of tickets just by them announcing SummerSlam. And because there's no pay-per-view revenue anymore, Peacock's like 99 cents to watch it. They don't care about delivering something for the pay-per-view audience. We're coming from this from a different perspective of people would have paid hard-earned money for it. They, they kind of didn't for this match. It wasn't like they were going to deliver Roman and Cena and then John Cena just doesn't show up. But, but hey, Robert, that happened though. But but Robert, here's the thing. I couldn't see him. Even even if they bought the tickets before knowing what was going to happen, they thought they were going to get a Bianca. Oh title. yeah, no, th this was def. There was definitely a lot of shady shit. My only defense of it is this was the best that they were going to do with what they were dealt with because you had to establish Becky as a heel. You had to give them a one of these fucking moments. Oh, no, why do you have to? Why do you have to have her as a heel? Because that's what she wants to do. Otherwise, she can just say. I'm going to stay home on maternity leave. I don't need to leave the home. And well, also, we really also were also forgetting no the amount of money. You're, you're she's also forgetting no to the amount of money WB is going to pay her. You, you never know. But what you're forgetting is towards the end of her run before she announced her pregnancy, the, the pops were not as 
as uh, voracious as they were before. There was a, it was waning a little bit, and I think she has more fun as a heel. And the crowd Everybody has more it, fun as a heel, right? But she's also seeing what Britt Baker's doing in AEW, and like, well, fuck, that looks like a lot of fun. And if Bianca, if if Bianca Belair is as over of a babyface as they've established her to be, you could have some fun with this. There is a potential for this being good. There's also a potential this being, you know, the Steve Austin heel turn. Well, then, no, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. I really do think it'll be good. I just think. Um, and if she's going to be a heel, how do we find out on the internet and not when we saw her come out at summer? Like she didn't even, she didn't even do a heel move. She didn't like distract the well, rep. She, and she, she cheap shot at Bianca. That was kind oh, of the thing. It was not great. They'll tell the story this week in theory, or they'll just wind up releasing Bianca oh. and we won't know why. <laughs> well, I'll just say, that my feelings were hurt. Vince, yeah. you owe Dan an apology. I was I put the EST in saddest moment of the night. <laughs> Thank <Stop>. you, Mike. <laughs> Thank this you. Terrible. All right, let's move on. All right, next up. Uh, yeah, let's what, what, let's get to more uh, upbeat moments of the show. Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal. Um, my note for this was mercifully short. Anybody else have anything to add? Legitimately oh, forgot it happened. It, it, uh, Drew waving his sword at Veer and Shanky like an old man shaking his cane at a child whose baseball landed in his yard was the fucking. Do you think backstage, like they had Vince was like, oh shit, this Becky thing didn't work. You're going to have to kill Shanky. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and shank Shanky. <laughs> yeah, this was, I mean, yeah, this was bad. And uh, you know what, man? I actually. You know what this did do? I feel sad for Drew now. Like, I used to make fun of him and be like, oh, he sucks. I feel poor, bad for the guy. You know what it was? Because you watched Raw and you saw him in that tag match. You're like, he, he's got a little bit of charisma to him. There's something to what he's doing, even in these. He just deserves well, to a To be fair, Mike story. didn't just say that, but go on. <laughs> well, no, when we when we talked about Raw on on the something in sports entertainment, we both you know Mike was like, yeah, no, there was something to what he was doing there. He just deserves a better story than what they're giving him and his magical sword that's you know possessed by his mother. Next up, we have a triple threat match. Uh, this was, I mean, I, I my note was I was still very upset um, <laughs> because also this is this is how upset I was about the Bianca. And I was sitting in the bedroom with my wife watching this, and I was so upset about this match, I had to leave and go in the other room. Wow. Well, here's the thing. Once you lose your Bianca match, you have this and the Eva Marie Bliss as your only women's matches on a four-hour show. That's pretty bad. Here's my question. My emotional reaction to all this shit, is that WWE's fault, or do I have a problem that I need to address in therapy? Yeah. Uh, regardless, a- you have a problem you need to address in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh triple threat match this was a good match but again what's the story they told it was like nikki ash Lou, uh, and rhea ripley charlotte flair you know charlotte flair convincingly wins uh after nikki ash pretty much got her ass kicked during this entire program besides you know a heelish money in the bank win now they're setting up charlotte and and lily um yeah, I mean, it was, you know, technically it was it was a good match, actually. But it just, you know, the story it told, I was just kind of like, huh? Robert, what do you think? I mean, it was a good Charlotte-Rhea match. They kept getting interrupted by Eugene. 
And that was kind of frustrating. Like Nikki is positioned as this bumbling and competent idiot when she's a very talented wrestler. And it detracted from what should have been a better one-on-one match, which was Rhea and Charlotte, which is what the crowd actually wants to see. And this storyline is still, I mean, thankfully it seems like it's potentially over with Charlotte since they're pivoting to her and Alexa Bliss, but Rhea and Nikki as best friends forever seems to be where we're going with this fucking thing. Scott, what did you think of this? It's just to me, if if you're going to take the time to do a Lily wink, why not give Nikki some goddamn superpowers, you know? Let her shoot a laser beam out of her goddamn eyes or something. Not That's a bad my pitch. opinion. And until I get that, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to be that into the character. I don't understand why there hasn't been a payoff yet. It's like she's this person who thinks she's a superhero, and it's SummerSlam. It's her moment to finally show everybody she has it in her, and then she doesn't. So you just go, oh, so it's just a person who's – wrong about what they think no scott scott you're right she's she's a comedy she's a comedy superhero character they should play up the superpowers maybe lower her from the uh the the top of the stadium what could go wrong (laughs) all all right come on do that now it's again all right we already started the big russo roast (laughs) (laughs) i mean here's the here's here's the thing about uh, about nikki you know representation matters and as an autistic person that loves superheroes you're glad dave Meltzer's writing <laughs> it's it's great to see myself on screen <laughs> you would wear the mask the same way <laughs> uh, potentially the tights <laughs> we get to our our main events of the evening. Um, ma- the the next match i mean for me it's match of the night i'm pretty sure that you guys will agree edge versus seth rollin Really awesome entrance uh, with the brood. It picked up after a little bit of a slow start. Fantastic finish. Uh, I have a hot take about this match, which I'll I'll say at the end. But it's kind of it's it's pretty hot. It's burning my hands right now. So I want to I want to get I'm going to hold it. I'm going to let it burn my hands a little more. Let the let the calluses form uh, before I drop it on you guys. Robert, what did you think of this match? I, I love the brood music. Uh, I'm a sucker for it. I would have loved to have been in a packed stadium in a pre-COVID era with the brood music playing. There were people having the time of their life for it. Yeah, to your point, the match started off slow, and I was kind of like, is this going to be another disappointment? And then they picked it up, and this was awesome. Uh, this was a, a great match. Edge fully embracing this old man Logan version of himself is a hell of a lot of fun. Rollins, this is the best Rollins we've had in a very long time. He's super motivated and it was great. The crowd was happy um, and uh, the right guy won. Mike, what do you think of this bad boy? Yeah, I, I'm going to say a controversial opinion. I think Edge might be more talented than Christian. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. He just broke the internet. I think that he might be a better talker. Um, and I think that he might be able to outwork people without having to say it um <laughs> and things outwork is two words <laughs> no this was awesome i mean you know the thing is like with wrestling like you can't call something a dream match it has to just happen and then we have to realize it in hindsight and i mean these two guys and you know they did it in the story that they are parallels of each other you know rollins is the 2010s version of edge and uh and it felt like a dream match by the end of it. It was fucking awesome. The the finish of Edge smashing Rollins' face into the mat 
as he was submitting him was was remarkable. Um, this was fucking great. This deserved to be on a better show. Um, this is, you know, what WWE does. This should have been on NXT the night after. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, but this is what uh, uh, WWE does at its best in ring. You know, this felt important. Um, it was important. This was fucking great. Scotty. Yeah, this was was definitely match of the night for me by by Miles uh, Edge's entrance. So fucking good. The the theme brood music. Uh, the brood music is just the best. Yeah, this match was great. Seth Rollins and Ed. We knew it too. We called it, and it was what it was. Uh, yeah, loved everything about it. And then also, you guys read that. It inadvertently cost Gangrel a gig. <laughs> Gangrel did an interview this week and said that he was booked to do Dynamite this week, I guess in the Christian Omega storyline or something. And they dropped it because Edge came out as a brute, uh, you know, as brute Edge. And they were like, ah, that would be a little, you know. I'm, I'm guessing it's because he was at that Winnipeg show in 96. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't you just like Edge say- felt bad about it. I guess Edge talked to him about it. Like Edge see- apologized to him. What a great, what like- a great headline. Edge talks Gangrel from Ledge. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want that vision of backstage of like Giannis uh from the Bucks and 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 Gangrel standing in the same waiting room having vastly different experiences on Dynamite. Um, uh, all right, here's my hot take, guys. So in the storyline, Edge had to go to that place, right? In the beginning of the match, we see him rising from hell, and then he beat Seth. With a version of the crippler crossface. Nope. Did he visit hell so Benoit could give him the finishing move? <laughs> no? Is Zach? Anybody? All right. All right. Fine. Dan, wash your hands. All right. All right. <laughs> Even Benoit wanted nothing to do with this show. Uh, all right. Goldberg versus Lashley. And there's uh, why. <laughs> look, the match was bad. But the aftermath was kind of funny, bad. Um, what, what did you think of this, Scott? I thought this was brutal, man. It, it, it's, this happens so often. It's just the opposite of what they wanted to occur occurred. Uh, Goldberg looked like he was going to die five times in the match. I thought he was going to break something. The ending was so perfect where they, they beat up uh, Goldberg's kid and you're supposed to be, how dare they, shocked? But everybody loves it. They're thrilled about it. And, uh, yeah, it just, it, it, ate, it ate shit, man. Gold, yeah, it just ate shit. Yeah, let's be honest. Most of the people in this audience have been bullied by a kid that looks like Gage Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert, what do you think of this match? Like, as cliched as the Goldberg return has become, what's even more cliched is the moment in the match when the crowd thinks he's really going to win and they turn on Goldberg. And that happened here pretty early on the audience that Goldberg was positioning for a spear and the crowd just started booing the fuck out of it. Cause they realized, Oh no, they're really not going to put the title on Goldberg and they didn't. And they came up with this insane finish of Goldberg. The referee is like, Oh, Goldberg can't go anymore. Cause Goldberg probably didn't want to take the pin. And then beating up Gage, who they were right. Somebody ran in from the crowd 
and attack Lashley. So Lashley retaliated because this kid is fucking stupid and tried to attack uh, Lashley without a weapon and got what he deserved. And in Saudi Arabia, it's going to be tough for the audience. Are they going to root for the guy defending the honor of his son or the guy who beat up two Jews? (laughs) Gage looks like like the kind of kid who gets detained in Saudi Arabia and then his parents have to rescue him. He looks like the beginning of Argo. Yeah, but Gage he, versus he Hook is going to main event WrestleMania. You guys don't know what you're talking about. It's going to be amazing. Mike, it, it, what do you this, think of this match? This was bad. I mean, it was an angle. It wasn't a match. It it and this like, just, I'll I'll just say it now. I don't know if we're going to do like a full review of the whole show after. I mean, this show dragged. the The entrances were long. The video packages were long. We were at past the three hour mark at this point. And we all just wanted to see Roman and Cena. And this just, you know, even though the in-ring was like seven minutes, everything around it was like double. And yeah. uh, was the, was, is the Miz segment after this? Yes, the yes. Miz seg- and, segment. At, was at, this still happened. No, it was before. Point. I'm sorry. It was before this. It was before yeah, this. Okay. So, yeah. That, and that's the thing, too. Like, that was fucking horrible. And then this, it's just like, you were like, just can we end this show now? Um we just get to the main event this was just really bad well the missed segment they had to do because they had a sponsorship requirement for that pure water so they needed to put it in somewhere it should have been 30 seconds in a backstage vignette but they they needed to make money um but yeah yeah and i don't begrudge like doing sponsored content if that you know and that's a very nikon thing but it's like yeah to have it take up this much time and to put it like if I'm if I'm pure life, I'm like, what you put it fucking three and a half hours in? Yeah, water turned heel during the show. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny because people couldn't buy it in the arena. <laughs> All right, let's get to our main event: <laughs> Roman Reigns versus John Cena for the Universal Championship. My first, the first part of this match is me wondering what ten Hall of Famers did Roman beat because they they mentioned that on commentary. And I'm like, well, what legitimate Hall of Fame? You know, like I, I kind of, I, I was like, well, he beat, he beat the Outlaws at WrestleMania. Undertaker's not. Anyway, I'm not going to go through this whole thing. Um, the guillotine to the roll up, I thought that was that was really good. Uh, Scott's going to argue uh, with me on this. I thought their last match was la- more athletic, but I thought the psychology in this match was way better. Uh, Pat McAfee did a great job, and at the very end, we get Brock Lesnar coming out. And I was wondering, what if the storyline is during Brock Lesnar's absence, he found out that Paul Heyman was Jewish? And that's just <laughs> that's just the rest of this. Um, so I thought the psychology was great. Scott, what did you think of this match? Uh, yeah, I thought it didn't deliver, but we didn't think it was going to necessarily deliver. We wanted to see two stars stare at each other, and then we knew what we were going to get. And that's what happened. John Cena called out loudly the entire match uh there was like five moments where i heard very clearly what he told roman to tell what what to do and then roman did it there was a moment where he's staring at the camera and goes jump on my back and roman jumps on his back it it just looked like two friends practicing wrestling and the the roll-up psychology just made it look like they were running the ropes uh cena's roll-up sucks uh, it, it, it points out the, the jean shorts he's wearing, uh, and it, it wasn't a very good match. Roman doesn't talk good shit. His moves never connect. 
So the idea that he's like a physical presence, I, I don't see it. And I think everybody likes to lie to themselves because if they don't have Roman, uh, what do they have? Well, a bunch of shit. That's what you have. Well, I think Roman is, is talks really good shit and has a great physical presence. I disagree with that. Well, I think you think he's hot. <laughs> I mean, that may be true, too. Your shitty boyfriend right now. Robert? Um, I'll give him head of the table. <laughs> <laughs> he's different around me. You don't understand. <laughs> you know I, I liked the magic. It had the, the epic spectacle feel at the start of it of these were two big stars in there. We knew this wasn't going to be a five-star Matt classic, but the way that it was built up was Cena basically saying, Roman's going to beat the shit out of me. I just have to try to outlast him a little bit more. And he kept trying and trying and trying and ultimately failed. And it worked well for, for Roman. I, I thought this was what this needed to be. The, the spot calling, I wasn't listening to this on headphones. I was watching it on TV. So I maybe didn't notice it as much or, or was, you know, paying attention to the match itself and not like, oh, this may not be 100% on the level. Um, but I thought the match worked. The crowd really seemed to like it. The finish paid off properly. And the they knew that they had the Brock return queued up. So it didn't necessarily matter. The, the audience was going to immediately forget the match and focus on how amazing Paul Heyman's sell job was of seeing Brock Lesnar. Oh, yeah. Brock being back rules. Ponytail Brock. He's going to be a face, which is going to kick ass. Uh, yeah, I'm happy that Brock's yeah, the, the second best Brock in all of professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what do you think of this? I thought that this was, you know, it was good. Like, I mean, this is, yeah, you're, I, I feel like where Edge and, and Rollins elevated, like, the WWE, like, main event style. This was very by the numbers. But it worked, you know. It, it did feel like your main event it felt epic um i just say yeah, i definitely think it would have been serviced <laughs> on a shorter show but no, it was it was good i i thought cena brought it you know and and this version of roman is the best version of roman and people were fucking into this i i thought that this was like you know a perfect SummerSlam main event it was did it elevate past that no but but i enjoyed it well Mike, how many Scotty Meltzer flaming bowling pins would you give this? I'm going to give this show two because it was. A I'm going to. I'll loss. go with you. I'm going to say two, two. I'll, I'll give it to two. I, I think the lows were lower than the highs were high, um, and I think that just the presentation, like this, made me not want to watch WWE anymore. Just the amount of commercials and the amount of packages and entrances versus how little wrestling content you actually got. Um, it was just a drag. It was just a, a boring show to watch, a, a depressing show to watch at times. And um, I didn't feel like the, you know, I was fucking high off of the punk return the night before. I was excited to see wrestling. Um, this brought me back down. Scott. Yeah, I'll give it to uh, Edge Rollins was really cool. It visually looked nice in the arena, and that's really it, too. Robert? Yeah, I'll give it to. I think it was a lot of people. Two's were, across the board. Yeah, a lot of people were miscast in this. There was a lot of poor production decisions. Uh, certain matches that should have gone longer went shorter. 
certain matches should have not been on here at all. And there's no excuse for the show being over four hours when there is very little of it that was actually memorable. And finally, Zach Attack. I thought this show was terrible. I'm going to give it a two. Edge Whoa. one. What's wrong hey, what with you, Hey, what about Zach? the Edge match? You liked it? That's the two. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, it's good to have you back, Zach. <laughs> oh, by All the right, way, uh, Zach, it was Zach's birthday this week. He turned 28, but when he reviews wrestling, he becomes 82. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday. Um, <laughs> that was heartfelt. I like that, Dan. Let's, let's get to our next segment, Dynamite or Dud. Dud, let's move on. <laughs> we'll, find out. we'll find out which one of us thought it was a dud, which one of it, us thought Dynamite was Dynamite. Uh, let's go to, uh, you know, I'm just going to say this whole show just because we already recapped SummerSlam. On this show, we got uh, Cassidy versus Hardy. Uh, we got the Varsity Blondes versus Penta and Phoenix. We got a Jericho promo uh, outlining the stipulation for the all-out match with MJF in which his career is on the line. Jamie Hayter versus Red Velvet. We have a Dark Order segment in the back. Uh, a teasing dissension. CM Punk promo, his second promo, his first Dynamite promo. A Miro promo. Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston, and John Moxley versus The Wingmen. An FTR promo setting up their match with Proud and Powerful, the rematch next week on Dynamite. Uh, the Ty Conti segment setting up a Rampage match she has with The Bunny. Kenny and Christian segment. Factory versus... The Gun Club with an appearance by The Big Show. Lambert Mania 3 with Men of the Year. And Malachi Black versus Brock Anderson uh, with a little bit of Arn getting involved. Scott, what did you think of this match? What was your what was your high spots and low spots for this Dynamite? And would you say it's Dynamite or a dud? Whew. Okay, so uh, I, I definitely liked it more than you guys. I think I liked everything on the show, but the QT match and Brock Anderson having a dresser dressing room. <laughs> the, those things bothered me a lot. Other than that, you know, I, I, I get on paper, and I know that sounds crazy, but the, not just on paper, the idea of, 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 you know, having Darby, Moxley, and Kingston come out and entertain the fans and showcase themselves while beating up some guys who, look, this guy's 6'6", and they beat him up. This guy does this, and they beat him up. Uh, but J.D. Drake, he's I think he's a really good wrestler. I thought the match was fun. I really like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it. Oh, OK, here, here's how I feel about it. <laughs> so the CM Punk thing was great to me. I really loved it. And I was ex you would think, oh, since, you know, CM Punk is going to be on this show and this is the first show after his debut, there's going to be more eyes on it. And so we're going to get all those banger matches that we're used to every week. And we didn't get that. We got a different way of presenting them, which I didn't mind. I didn't get aggravated at all during the show. Uh, nothing made me mad. I just went, oh, I wouldn't have booked that match. But none of the decisions within those matches made me angry or, or tested my intelligence or made me feel stupid for watching it. I liked it. I thought it was a fun show. It was like a, it was a hangout show. All right. So Dynamite from Scott. Robert. Dud. Uh, look, this was, you had Punk's debut. To Scott's point, this should have been a banger show from beginning to end because you had lapsed fans coming back to see what AEW does and what AEW does best. 
And they really kind of failed to deliver that throughout the majority of the show. I liked opening with Matt Hardy, Orange Cassidy, because a lapsed fan knows who Matt Hardy is. You understood who Orange Cassidy was, their little delete kick spot. Super fun. That was fine. Malachi Black's promo was awesome about just roll out of the ring, take the 10 count. Like, I will show you mercy. Set up his character perfectly. Jericho comes out and God bless the fan in the front row that held up the sign asking fans to get vaxxed during a Jericho promo. You are my hero. How pissed (laughs) must Christian be that Jericho stole his one more match stick? Um, I feel terrible for Max because this this feud needs to stop forever. Nobody wants to see it. I feel I just feel bad. Varsity Blondes Lucha Bros was fun. Jim Ross trying to say hyperbole and calling it hyperbole was probably my high spot of the week. Dude, um, he was he was like, he was lost off, in a mall yeah. during this. That well, part, well, dude, don't you know, Jericho that Christian, the, he had no idea what was going yeah, on. Yeah, so the, no. the, the Sooners won the Hopper Bowl three years in a row. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Jamie Hayter and Red Velvet happened on television. Nobody wants to see a Dark Order split, which is kind of it's like, just leave those guys alone. The punk promo, the crowd loved it, but it to me kind of felt like the second time Bart said I didn't do it. He didn't say anything new. It was great that the crowd loved it and there was emotion. There was not a single thing he said or did here that was brand new other than teasing Daniel Bryan. Uh, which is all the internet talked about. But the rest of his promo was at some point, he literally said the exact same thing about Darby Allen. Like it was like for people who didn't see the other match, Uh, I'm convinced JD Drake is just mass transit back from the dead. Um, And then what is the wingman's gimmick? What the fuck is it? The wingman's gimmick are that one of the guys from 2.0, his wife went into labor and they weren't there. So they had to change the match to this. (laughs) So that's the only slight pass though. I feel like part of me was like, John Moxley's a huge star and he's going into this match. They need to turn him heel and he needs to just be like, this is the shit you guys are, are making me go and do. I'm your top star. Fuck you. Instead of he's just a guy in this match. We got to see gun club who are undefeated at 115 and 0, which is a big thrill. Uh, QT Marshall was fine in this match. You're, you're wrong, Scott. You're a nerd. You don't get wrestling. Um, <laughs> the best match on this show, by the way, was the footage of Christian and Lance Storm from that match all those years ago. <laughs> uh, and then in the main event, Brock Anderson is a star in the making. I'm convinced he's Arn's brother and they're just covering it up some way because <laughs> there's no way that dude is not 20 years older than all of us. <laughs> Uh, this was a huge miss when you had a massive crowd and you had the right talent, just not put in the right ways to make people super excited for what was a really great week for them last week. Did Alex Marvez lose a contact backstage when he was doing that interview? He was like squinting the entire time. <laughs> he, he's trying to steal Jim Ross's Bell's palsy gimmick. <laughs> and that guy standing next to Andrade, who I still don't know who he is. Looks more and more like Harold Ramis every week. <laughs> uh, Mike, what do you think of the show? Um, you know, you know, to Scott's point, it was breezy. Like it, you know, uh, the show doesn't drag because shit keeps moving, even when it's <laughs> not great shit. Um, you know, we did talk about it on the uh, Patreon, but we didn't hear. Um, you know, the punk moment was uh, the, the the rampage moment on Friday. It was one of the best fucking moments i've had as a wrestling fan in years i mean it's going to be everybody's high spot for sure yeah and it was really wonderful and um and i think that you know but that was that was phil brooks 
coming back into wrestling, this felt like CM Punk's first debut on AEW. They were they were different in tone, you know. It was cool to see him with Shivani. It, yeah, it, it wasn't going to have the same magic as the first time, but it, it couldn't. So, you know, but but I think in some ways it did just in the fact of like, no, he's really back, you know, because like I, I remember like when Chappelle left and Chappelle, you know, would, would do clubs and it would be like rumors like, oh, maybe he's here, maybe he's not. But then when he started like doing like tour dates in advertising, you're like, oh, shit, this is legitimate. So this felt like it cemented the Friday thing. Um, and, and yeah, it was the best part of the show. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have put Darby in a, in a six man against the wingmen. If the point is like, we know that he's going to be the heel in this punk match, but let him feel special. Let him feel at least equal to him in a competitor standpoint. And this squash, I just don't think did that. Well, Uh, I I think you need to make video packages for for new fans tuning in or whatever yeah don't want darby allen wrestling anybody but the wingman until he fights cm punk because you want him to be as safe as possible and he, I, I get that everything he does okay. is death and and it's like okay kid don't die until you fight punk and and i i wouldn't put him in shit i would literally have him riding skateboards around the back uh you know reading smith's quotes or whatever but I, I I think you know in terms of yeah I mean I won't go over the whole show but like you know Dante Martin had this breakout performance two weeks ago and then he talked about it last week for like thirty seconds I would have put him on this show I would have put Guevara on this show I just think that there was better talent you could have used in but also months. you got to understand they're testing all this talent and they throw them out there and they don't deliver a Dante Martin moment and okay check you know like they are still trying to give these people chances to see what happens when you put them with the stars. And I, I get that, but I think sometimes they reward people that just haven't earned it yet. Like Lee Johnson being your big save oh, in a God. main event. It didn't feel like a big save, but I definitely. It wasn't dude. They set that up like a big save. They set it up like a big save. Nobody told know. the crowd that was a big save. It I... was, Scott, it was your cliffhanger. <laughs> it was the end of your show. Yeah, I guess they, I mean, they should have definitely ended with just Malachi standing over uh, son and dad. Dude, and I did not like him rolling out because of Lee Johnson. I also didn't like Arn being the one to block the kick. Yeah, that wasn't good. Like, that kick is a killer. That That kick is awesome. They established it as an absolute fucking no questions asked killer. And then Arn puts up his podcasting arm and he kicks it and then he just, like, (laughs) brushes it off. Brother, that's a cheesesteak. That arm is tough. I liked that. And then the low blow, oh, it was awesome. The yeah, cheesecake can, factory menu. But you could elevate somebody like a, a hangman or, you know, by being the first to block that kick. It, it doesn't do anything for Sure, arm. sure. Yeah, yeah. No. And, and then the hangman, you thing, meant Cody. Like, the, Kenny, the Kenny thing is, like, he just doesn't feel like a main eventer. Like, oh, it's so him. Dude, they put him in the women's. Uh, well, that's slot. I mean that's bullshit. And that's but. not a time slot. There's no six, there's no time slots. There's no women's yes, there time is, slot. Yes, there is. It there is no exist. gender in time slots except for nine thirty on Thursdays. But yeah, there, no, there Kenny are, didn't feel like the champion here. There are he, certain yeah. people that only open the show. There are certain people they put only at. No, night. there's it's, certain people that you're used to opening a show. It doesn't you have don't to think, be that. You it's don't a two-hour show. That. 
But listen, when they do put something in a main event, like the women in their first main event, they talk about it. They try to elevate themselves. Yes, the main event always is a main event. I get that. But everything else can just go where you feel like putting it. Oh, the one thing about the main event that kind of bugged me is I thought they were setting up a perfect story with Malachi Black's promo where he said, roll out of the ring, take the 10 count and leave. They should have teased that. Brock should have rolled out of the ring let the count go for a little bit, then him run in for a hero spot, then get the shit beat out of him. It was a weird thing Robert, to set up and not pay off. That was, Brock it was, a, was too nervous to remember a thing like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Brock can't count a couple times. I mean, also, like this, this, this segment, <laughs> they came back from commercial at nine 54. They had six minutes. This was nitro off. test. This should have been on rampage. I mean, it's, <laughs> I get the story, but yeah, punk should have main evented the show with the promo keep tease it keep it to the end make people sit and watch to the finish because i think the audience was a little spent after just going ape shit for punk and if they were rabid all night there was nothing else that they were going to blow their load on throughout this show but, but what i was trying to say scott is i don't think that christian and kenny's gonna be the main event uh, and it doesn't even feel like it and also the story what the story is that well i was 20 and i didn't get a job because they believed in a 10 year old but it's not no, like it's they just gave part of it. It's just an additional thing. It's just an additional piece. But it doesn't make sense. Well, it's going to end with, with Don getting arrested for hanging out with a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I was just hanging out with her. I didn't mean to do anything wrong. Um, it does make sense. It's a, it's a knock on Christian. It's, yeah, I didn't believe it. Man, first I Don's getting the rub from Kenny Omega. Omega. Now Marty Scroll. What <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> are you saying, Scott? No, it does make sense, though. He's saying, I believed in a child more than I believed in you, and I was right. It's like an insult. It's just a thing to say. If it worked for Patterson, it can work for Dallas. It's part of a storyline. It works. It's literally like, I didn't didn't book you again because I just really liked this 10-year-old. Like he just doesn't. Well, yeah, it was. Like it was just never booked him again. He just dismissed him. It was. It was. He was looking for someone to work on and focus on. He thought it would be Christian, and then he found Omega immediately after him, and just never even thought of Christian again. Also, but is anybody start- worried they're legitimately going to bring in Eric Watts next week? But but, but Scott, <laughs> it's not like he started putting him in events after that. <laughs> Well, no, he but did. he told the, him there was a camera and this, this is all wrestling. Yeah, the the storyline <laughs> is, is, is that he's been training Kenny since he was 10. It's like a very silly thing, but they grooming, have Scott. It. It's called grooming. grooming. Yeah, grooming. <laughs> Making his wish wishes. Next the next week, you know, we had Lance Storm versus the potential Kenny Omega will someday have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to high spot, low spot, high spot. I think we're all going to have the same high spot this week, which is CM Punk coming back. But honorable mention to Dragunov and Walter, too. What a fucking barn burner that match was. Unbelievable. If you haven't seen it, stop listening to us and watch it right now. What was your high spot this week, Scott? CM Punk returning on on Rampage. And and I'll add Dynamite to it as the little – the little sequel to it, you know, because I, I, I loved the uh, the Darby would have been my favorite wrestler at 15. I mean, CM Punk can come out for the next month and just like name five more wrestlers on the roster and I'll be happy. So, you know, last week he said Britt Baker and Darby. This week he mentioned Penta and Jungle Boy. Dude, I loved how he mentioned Brian Pillman Jr., Penta, Phoenix, and didn't mention Griff. That's some bullshit, man. That made me hurt for Griff hard. <laughs> you didn't mention uh, luchasaurus either oh true 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 uh 
Yeah, but but Punk returning, man, uh, on Rampage, the dive into the crowd, the the chance, the the explanation of I would have never gotten better in the place that got me sick in the first place, the ice cream bars at the end, the Darby moment. It all it all just worked. There were so many moments that worked. The he left wrestling, but he was talking about when he left Ring of Honor and. He kind of doesn't consider WWE him being a wrestler, more of a sports entertainer. It all just worked. It meshed well. He felt like the biggest star in the world, and it felt like a moment that couldn't happen with anybody else. It felt like, yeah, a little piece of wrestling history. It was awesome. Robert? I mean, we did a whole Patreon yeah, we did on a whole the CM Punk entrance. That was it. Uh, yeah. Yes. It so I, there's no way that that's not moment of the week month probably year at this moment point of the year right i mean what else would have to happen qt marshall beats the big show <laughs> qt marshall beats a debuting brian daniels <laughs> wait, wait what if Q, you know it would be a moment for year qt comes out with a full head of hair and they don't explain it on commentary <laughs> i would actually fucking love that i'm, I'm gonna give a, a high spot of the week that's a little different but but connected the 25 minutes of Mr. James E. Cornette praising the punk return is something I thought I would never see. He fucking loved it. And that's amazing to me. <laughs> that's only the- Jim Cornette needs money, Tony Khan. So open up the checkbook. <laughs> Them Mike, Dairy Queen orders don't pay for themselves. <laughs> Mike, what was your low spot this week? Um, my low spot, I mean, yeah, I got to give it to the, the, the Becky, uh, Sasha debacle. I mean, yeah, maybe it'll lead somewhere, but I don't care. I'm, I'm not interested in anymore. I, I definitely don't think that you should ever show packages and advertise a match that you're not going to deliver. So fuck them for that. Uh, yeah, my low spot was definitely how that speed out, but honorable mention to John Moxley announcing that he's fighting Kojima, um, I was so bummed out by that. That was brutal. And it was such a great promo. It was a great promo. and But, but not- when people don't know the guy's name, uh, it just feels like he's threatening anybody. Yeah. yeah. And also, Scott, I don't scarier. know if you had this, but I've never been so angry at two promotions at the same time. I was, like, angry that AEW built it up, and I was angry at New Japan, like – pulling their fucking new Japan shit. Bullshit. Yeah. It's, you know, you know, so AEW thought they had Tanahashi. And so So I thought we were going to get Suzuki or something, something. Yeah. You want (laughs) to, you know, you want, (laughs) it it sounds like they didn't have what he wanted at the sushi restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, just between that and the Becky thing this week, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's just, you know, especially because you are seeing new Japan announce some of these American shows and Ishii is on them. And Tanahashi is showing up for some of them. And I, I, don't, I don't think Osprey should have showed up for Moxley. That should be for something else. But, yeah, it is a bit disappointing. Well, I think the match, you know, the match is going to be good. It will be good. But, unfortunately, it, it does make you go, God damn, this deal, this deal ain't working out like, like you'd hope, like you'd fantasy hope. Oh, and something else I had to mention quickly is Dan Lambert. Oh no, I love my unique. But here's here's what's really funny to me. That that his his speech about millennials and woke and all these other buzzwords you can hear in a Dennis Miller stand up set. Um was so fucking funny that Ethan Page has a toy vlog 
and Scorpio Sky has a podcast he does with a member of the YouTube comedy troupe Rooster Teeth. Oh, that These are the tough men that, that are going awesome. to save. This is Ethan Karate Man versus Ethan Page Page. <laughs> I love that. Hey, I'll also say AEW Dynamite uh, this week. Every promo I thought worked where I was like, oh, you got a bunch of killers where it was Mox, oh, Punk. No. I, I mean, Miro, I love Miro Miro's promo promos, man, Ooh, but I was like, all of them, dude. Dude, come dude, on, but the Miro thing, like, Callus killed it. Dude, the FTR babyface promo. Omega <laughs> saying, You think you know me? I know that's not a promo. He didn't cut that. was fun, promo, but, but was can we fun. talk about Miro's promo for a second? I, I, I love Miro's promos. I love the verbiage, but like, he still hasn't given us a reason why he's fighting Eddie Kingston. Like, there's so he many. He half did, which is annoying. It should have been explained more. But when he said that, you know, he thought Fuego got it in a, in a really cheap bullshit way, which is, you know, he loses this match, but he ends up getting a contract anyway. And he said that Eddie is the biggest, like, I don't know how he worded it, but basically persecutor. Sinner. Yeah, the biggest sinner. And, and to, to me, part of that is Eddie came out as an open challenge to Cody and then was just losing matches here and there. And they signed him because of that. And Miro could say you're worse than Fuego in the sense that you're not even physically fit and you look like shit in that outfit. Uh, yeah. Why didn't he say that? Well, I think he really? should. Yeah. And I hope he does. I know. Oh, dude, I think all out is way too stacked already where I go, God damn. It's kind of irritating that you're going to put this match on it, even though I think it'll be good and everything will work out. But dude, wow. can you imagine if this was punk and Darby Tanahashi, Moxley, and Paige and Omega. <laughs> yeah, well, again, it's it's that's what they wanted, and that's not what could have happened, you know. Unfortunately. All right, I'm gonna get my my low spot out of the way so we can we can wrap this sucker up. Uh, on Monday Night Raw, they announced Karrion Cross versus Ricochet, and Karrion Cross came out in a gladiator mask and leather suspenders and squashed Ricochet in less than a minute in an ideal world. He looks like the final boss in Cornette's basement. Uh, yes, this was this was death across the board. You could see the sadness in Cross's eyes through the mask, yeah. which is what made it 10 times he worse. He called him the harbinger of sorrow. Yes, uh, and, and, he I think we did. and he was. He stole Dan's gimmick. But uh, what sucked more than anything else was this is the potential that WWE has that they could easily tomorrow if they wanted to, you know, knock this out of the park with the talent that they have. Karrion Cross and Ricochet would be a fantastic feud. And instead, you got this guy in a ridiculous Halloween costume beating Ricochet, who didn't get an entrance in less than a minute. This is the kind of shit that's going to be the downfall of WWE more than the Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch stuff, because they'll rebound from that at some point. This is why why Miro is an AEW, why Malachi Black is an AEW, why Andrade is an AEW. They take talent, they waste it, and then, oh, we'll figure it out down the road, and then they just cut bait on them. This was bad. I this was such a bad idea that Freddie Prince Jr. and I started agreeing on how terrible this. This made me agree with Freddie Prince Jr. That's how fucking terrible this was. I'm oh. done. Well, and another okay before I before I leave for forever. Uh, another compliment on AEW. It's like even their jabronis get moves in, and we're so not used to that that we get mad about it. We go, why does everybody get to be good at wrestling? They look like shit, and the gimmicks suck. So why can't they suck? And they don't. And it's 
it's well confusing. i mean i think that's a double-edged sword not to bring up uh that's that, what Karrion Cross should come out with next week. A double-edged double no. sword and go, I'm better than you, Drew. It's a triple-edged sword. My mom and my stepmom. <laughs> it's a triple-edged gun. Who are we kidding? Uh, All right. Hey, guys. Right. This is, this we is we forgot. You know, Angela I'm, Patricia. I know, I know it's been a stacked episode, but I have to insert an honorable mention low spot that none of you guys brought up. Apparently this past week, Tommy Dreamer, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Dan. This ties into Mike, our Mike. Mike, do you want question. to tell the story? You, you seem like you you'd be better at it. I was going to say this ties into our Twitter question of the week, but t- let's tell the story first. Um, All right, yeah, yeah, go for it. So the you know the viral fan um, that was crying. I'm too confused with the viral fans at SummerSlam. <laughs> you know an, uh, you know an all time fucking fan moment. The dude weeping openly um, on Friday, and 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 by the way, I would mention on uh, AEW's YouTube page. They have the footage in the production truck of Punk's debut. It's fucking really cool. And when they find that guy and they're like, get on him, get on him, that's great shit. It's like they knew the magical moment it was. So Tommy Dreamer invites him to an impact um, uh, taping. You know, I, I don't know why he's punishing him, but he invites him to it because uh, he's like, I love your passion for wrestling. And the guy says, no. <laughs> And that's the highest spot. <laughs> well, well, not way- only that, but wait, Scott, you, you explained it better. I thought. Yeah, so what, the way you- Dreamer ex- explains it is, oh, the guy's too humble. He doesn't want, you know, I asked him if he could come on the, uh, if I can interview him on the radio show. He said he had a job. I asked him if I could fly him to Vegas for impact. He said, no, he goes, I had a show this week in the suburbs of Chicago, which is where he lives. And the guy said, no. <laughs> and then he goes, he's just a real humble guy. Then like two sentences later, he mentions how he's accepted tickets from Tony Khan and will be doing a meet and greet with CM Punk. <laughs> it's like, he just doesn't want to go to impact, man. <laughs> you know, like man, good. <laughs> so he was like, you know, he he blocked me because he was just too humble to accept calls from me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. Twitter oh, question man. of the week. Um, I I asked our forbidden dorks, um, what's the moment that would make them that guy? What 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 would be the moment that makes you just fucking openly weep in public like that? And uh here's what we got. Um at Andy's Jack 23. When Robert decides to take over New Japan Corner <laughs> at six five five three two one Kang, I'd cry if a wrestler named The Onion debuted and bladed during one of his matches. <laughs> at Chat Mannequin, having any of my friends or family take more than a passing interest. Whoa, that just got too real. <laughs> at Lacroix Boy, the flare well, but with QT as flare. And Cody as Shawn Michaels. <laughs> oh, it's coming. <laughs> at Doge, yeah, but it'll be backstage and it won't be wrestling. At Doge Satiric, uh, this was a photo, but this really fucking made me laugh. It was just a Photoshop of T-Bar is all elite. <laughs> <laughs> at JF McCauley, Randy Savage rising from the grave and annihilating Hulk Hogan with Sith lightning and an elbow drop from the heavens. <laughs> At uh, Huskers 88, a coherent Monday Night Raw where the WWE actually acted like they like the fans that watch each week. Hashtag I have a dream. (laughs) At White Tick, if Peacock had a no Dominic Mysterio tier. (laughs) At Hunter Jason Dean, John Cena not coming back again. 
uh, at mm-hmm. Lash seven two four seven. JBL using a time machine he borrowed from Hitler, going back in time to stop his own bullying of the Blue Meanie at one night stand, and preventing Stevie from caving in his skull with a receipt. And all is right with the world. Cue the I'd like to teach the world to sing Coca Cola music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at Berlin nineteen, Bret Hart learning how to make a friend. <laughs> at Mass Nerder seven seven, the long awaited return of Pepe. Backing up Chavo and Andrade. Hell, if the WWE can make a voodoo doll a main character in their programming, why can't AEW reintroduce a grown man stick horse? <laughs> At show off 1984, Scott Chaplin finally criticizing AEW. <laughs> <laughs> and at Lucha Safety Brothers, Benoit being the surprise entrant at next year's Royal Rumble. We got work for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's dark. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Uh, next week, we're going to have let's, a packed show. We got the bright side of Lawrence Taylor, which there's a ton to talk about. The roast of Lawrence Taylor. For show and hell, we're going to do something a little different next week. Uh, because this is a movie that Lawrence Taylor was in, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Al Pacino Any Given Sunday speech, which is, uh, which is, which is kind of crazy. Uh, the first round of the We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup QT Marshall versus who? Dynamite or Dud? All out predictions. High so spot. Damn, so who, who versus who? Who versus who? High Why sp- versus who? High versus who? High spot versus low spot. Guys, this is the week to become a uh, a Patreon member because on Monday, not only are we roasting Vince Russo, not only are we talking about the Judy Bagwell on a forklift match, but we're also going to be deciding whether or not SmackDown or Rampage is better. So you're going to get recaps. And you're going to get a roast if you become a patron this week. And if you become a $10, you, you get a bunch of extra shit. You get a bunch of extra episodes. Best, best Patreon of the business. Uh, join our um, YouTube channel. Join our Facebook. We're posting there. Scott's on there now. Uh, tweet at us. Follow us on Twitter. Leave a five-star review. Leave a review on iTunes. Um, you know, put us, put us on wrestling forums. T- tweet to Conrad that you love us. You know, uh, anything you can get. Uh, the word out that that would help uh mike what do you got uh yeah join our facebook page we have lots of fun discussions there a lot of really funny um people who get to share their thoughts on wrestling when there's a pay-per-view when there's a show there's people in there chatting it up and it's a good time robert uh you can follow me on twitter at ww creative underscore ish scott is on the facebook page somebody was posting about it today demanding that scott be on there uh, we know we know you're there, Scott. So, uh, you know, tell the people uh, hi. And uh, yeah, something to sports entertainment with this week. The NXT TakeOver recap show and the Raw recap show were both a blast. Definitely worth uh, worth going and checking those out, too. And Scotty. Uh, Scott underscore Chaplin on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Russell Rose on Twitter. And Zach. Wash your hands. Wow, that was there was authority. You worked stiff with that. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week.